Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com, and we are back, folks. It is Halloween Day as I record. This is the 2023-2024 GHSA Girls Basketball Season Preview Podcast. It's been a while. We have last spoken uh, back in Macon for the state championships. Fast forward, uh, what, over seven months and the season is here. You know how we break it down. We talk about each classification Going to run through each classification with a couple storylines here and there. Talk about the teams that just missed uh, making the preseason top 10 poll. Uh, a very challenging poll to crack into to start each year. Um, but with that being said, let's get into it and start with Class 7A. In 7A, of course, Grayson opens up number one, Grayson um, going to have a, a very dynamic backcourt. A lot of transfers moved in, uh, obviously with Danielle Carnegie, who just committed to play at Georgia Tech, uh, who I think is the best senior in the state of Georgia. She's joined by Malaya Jones, a player that's won multiple region player of the year awards while at Arabia Mountain. Then Tosh Hunter came over from Archer. So those three guards, they mix in. With Tatum Brown, who's coming off an all-state season. Then Aaron Rodgers, who we forget was one of the very best players in the entire state before tearing her ACL and missing her entire junior season. The Florida Atlantic commit is back and is a dynamic presence uh, that really, on paper, when you look at uh, those five players, I don't think anyone in Class 7A talent-wise is going to be able to match up with Grayson on paper, but games aren't won and lost on paper. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how all these players play together. I mean, they don't have very much, if any, experience playing together in meaningful games. I mean, they haven't played a high school game. I don't know what they did with Fall League. I know they played here and there, but they weren't in the Sandy Spiel Fall League. Uh, so they weren't getting those valuable reps to learn how each other likes to play. And that's a lot of players that are used to dominating the ball on their team and taking a lot of shots. If Coach Slater can get all these players to buy in and play with one another and keep everybody happy, uh, I don't foresee a reason why Grayson should not win the state title in Class 7A, which is, uh, you know, it's easier said than done to win a title. But... Everything's there. The one thing Grayson might lack is size inside, but uh, Janasia Alexander has come on strong this offseason. I think Jamaica Click, who's not really a post player, more of a wing type player, but at 5'10", has some athleticism uh, to kind of help out on the glass and have some switchability defensively. Um, so if I'm Grayson, it's all about getting chemistry, uh, getting reps, and making sure everybody is on the same page. If they can do that, I think the Rams are a uh, a solid favorite and leader in the clubhouse to win a Class 7A state title. Now, what do we see outside of Grayson? I think the storyline with some teams that are ranked in the middle of the pole and near the top is that defense really dominates. Carrollton opens up the season number three. They don't have a true superstar player. I know Deja Preston's uh, been picking up some Division One offers, but she's not really a player that's going to go out and score 20 points a night. She's 
going to do the right thing, going to play physical on-ball defense in the backcourt, going to facilitate and then score when needed. Um, and that's really just a team that has a, a very nice sum of their parts all together. They play very well together. They have good chemistry. They they hardly lost any games at all over the fall and the spring. Um, so this is a team that has looked very, very good in the offseason in Carrollton, and they have a lot of reps together. Uh, same thing goes with uh, McEachern. Um, to my knowledge, I don't think they really brought in any transfers. Um, but McEachern is a team that, again, last year, you see what, what they did last year, uh, taking a trip to the Final Four. They were 20-9 and nine coming out of a battle-tested Region 3, which holds North Paulding and Hillgrove. And even Harrison's going to be much improved this year. Uh, but McEachern's tough. Uh, Khalees Hill is a very good guard that gets the job done. Jada Bates showed signs of really reaching her potential this offseason at about six foot four. It's tough to match up six foot four, but she's doing it on the wing. So if she's able to get into her shot, it's just going to be very, very tough to contest and challenge that. Um, and they have some other good pieces that are coming back as well that play some very good defense. So that's another team that really wants to limit your scoring. But the team that does it, um, maybe the best over the past few years is Norcross. Norcross, back-to-back state title game appearances, won it two years ago, lost last year as a state runner-up. They open up number five in the state. It's going to be a, a different-looking offense with Verona Charlton graduating at North Alabama, but they have the Mercer commit, uh, Janiah Aiken, still in the fold. Um, they're going to lock you up. They have some big girls inside. Justice Fitzgerald transfers over from Roswell. She provides... Uh, major size and athleticism. Mariah Valerie uh, had a really good offseason. It's just an intimidating post presence. So in the paint, they have a lot of length, multiple six-foot girls that can control the glass and and limit uh, second-chance opportunities for opponents. But can Norcross score the ball? They struggled to score multiple times last year, um, and they lose one of their, you know, their, their playmaker, uh, in Charlton, if they can find their scoring and don't have any scoring lulls throughout games, they're going to be very tough uh, to beat. And with their defense, that's going to keep them in pretty much every single game. So if you see a game that's in the 30s going into the fourth quarter, I promise you uh, that Norcross is comfortable playing in that style of game. And they're not going to get flustered if this game's not 55 to 50 going into the fourth quarter. Now, as I look at teams that just miss the top 10, the one team that really stands out to me is Newton. They were 3-22 last year. They are going to win more than three games this year. Uh, A team full of quick guards. Again, a team that doesn't have a ton of size, um, but if they have all their transfers eligible and then this exciting freshman class is ready to rock, uh, there's no reason why Newton should not challenge Grayson in that Region 4. Uh, more so might be in the mix for that two-seed battling with uh, Archer, but uh, Grayson's going to have to play well every single time out, especially when they play a team like Newton. Uh, Sanaya Tripp is back after she went to Peachtree Ridge. She transfers back over to Newton. Of course, she is a, a big-time guard. Uh, Desiree Davis uh, played with Newton over the summer. She transferred over from Wesleyan at a 5'10 uh, swingman. Uh, combo forward can play inside as well. Picked up an Oakland offer. She's going to be a very key piece for them. But then I look at the freshman class. London Smith, 
already has a Dayton offer. Uh, she's a really good, quick, shifty guard that can make things happen. Maya Perry, another good guard that can get to her floater downhill. And then other guards that were already in the fold, a sophomore and Zoe Jackson, looked good uh, just recently at the, the prep hoops camp I attended. And then Tania Bailey, a junior, if she's still in the mix over there, uh, that's a player that has some a serious experience in the backcourt as well for the Rams. Uh, so that's a team I'm looking at. As far as 7A goes, that's a team that stands out to me the most as a team that just missed making the top 10. But trust me, it's gonna if everything goes according to plan for what Coach Bailey's doing over there, um, one week max, two weeks max, if anybody loses in Class 7A and Newton does what they're supposed to do, expect the Rams to crack into the top 10. In Class 6A, uh, a prevailing theme here as it sounded like defense might have been in 7A, but in 6A, depth is a key factor. River Ridge, the defending state champs, uh, they were very deep last year. This year, they're not going to have quite as much depth. Um, Lose one player that quit basketball her senior season, it sounds like. Niara Gale follows her father, transfers down to Florida, and then um, Joy Tshamba hurt her knee and is likely out for the season with an ACL tear. Um, but River Ridge still has a lot of talent. Sophia Pearl has every mid-major school across the country, it feels like, flying in to see her. Kayla Cleveland is a burgeoning prospect that is starting to see D1 dominoes fall. Um, Michaela Roberson, Kyla Canty's even been going on some visits. And then, of course, uh, we'll be interested to see uh, what they get from Finley Parker, who's a highly touted six foot two wing player, uh, what type of X factor performance she can bring in night in and night out because she will be seeing a lot of minutes. But back to depth being a key, Langston Hughes, they have a ton of it. They might be the deepest team, along with one other team we'll talk with in a second. Langston Hughes, they added Jasmine Baxter, a physical post-presence that bounced around from Galloway to Mays last year, now on her third school for her junior season at Langston Hughes, is a very talented post-scorer. Destiny Givens moves in from Westlake, a solid guard, and that, you know, they add those two with what looks like on paper their top seven players supposed to be coming back. So, I mean, you're talking about Kyler Green, a Columbus State commit as a reigning Region 5 player of the year. Uh, Savannah Robinson-Holmes has been dealing with an injury. I'm not sure what her status is. Hopefully she is back to play, but she's a really good um, playmaker and a junior uh, that will get this offense going. You got the size inside with Michaela Taylor, who's continuing to get better and better and better as long as she continues to stay healthy. So they check a lot of boxes, guard play, depth, size, athleticism, a lot going right for Lanks and Hughes right now. And um, they're going to be uh, a very, very tough opponent to deal with. I know Langston Hughes last year, they got beat in the Final Four by River Ridge 60-46. to So uh, the Panthers, they have their sights set on making it back to the Final Four and, of course, advancing to Macon. Now that other team I mentioned that has a ton of depth, uh, New Manchester. They open the season number five. I don't even know if you could classify them as a dark horse, but that is a dark horse to win a state title this year. Um, just loaded with size, a very physical team. Amaya Brodus 
probably the best rebounder in the state. Jocelyn Faison transfers over from Douglas County as a dynamic six foot one wing that does just a little bit of everything. Um, lefty's really good, can create off the dribble, shoot the three, and of course, uh, cover so much ground uh, defensively. They have a lot of guards in the mix. They have some size in the backcourt. Kiara Lawrence is five foot ten, and then some other uh, good pieces to go around her as well. Uh, Amari uh, Strahan moves in a six foot four. That looks really, really good. Devin Fergus, a, a sharp shooting five foot freshman that can uh, provide some offense right away. But what really could take New Manchester to the next level is Andrea Guilford. Whenever she is cleared to play, she might be cleared from day one. She might be cleared midway through the season. I'm not sure. I haven't asked. Um, but she tore her ACL. I believe it was at the end of last season. So looking at the timetable, she should be um, about ready to rock and roll pretty soon. Um, but when she was healthy, New Manchester was rolling. You know, last year they finished 22 and 7, but lost to Woodstock in the first round. But Guilford was averaging over 11 points, over four rebounds, close to three assists, and three steals per game. She's really the straw that stirs a drink. She's that super skilled guard, a big guard at that, uh, that can just do uh, really a little bit of everything. So you add her into the mix with all these bigs inside and just multi positional. Um, athletic long wings, New Manchester really does have all the pieces to take a deep, deep run. Um, but to do so, they're going to have to be at full strength, and they need Agent Zero back in the fold. Now, as far as teams that just missed, these teams, I don't know if, you know, they, they, they just missed, um, but they have some things they need to prove before making it to the top 10. With the top 10 right now, it feels pretty good. Like, okay, I could I could kind of see most of these teams being there. Um, you know, one or two um, maybe are a, a little bit optimistic on my side of things, but I could see uh, an avenue as to where they could stay in the top 10 for a few weeks. But these teams right here, they're threats. Uh, they might crack in. We'll just see how it all goes. But three teams I, I highlighted here. Pope, they were 19-9 and nine last season. Uh, they have quality shooters in the Benzman sisters, Abby and Riley. Abby um, is going to continue to get better and better. She led the team in scoring last year as a freshman, as a 5'10 guard. Um, so look for Pope to execute on offense, knock down shots. And Coach Blythe does a good job every single year of getting the very, very most out of his roster. So Pope will be dangerous in Region 7, a region that... You know, it was really up for grabs. I mean, a lot of teams had good records last year, but then you kind of look at how they did in the postseason, and no one really fared all too well. Um, so I think Pope could be the realest of the real in Region 7 uh, with a nice chunk coming back. I know they graduated a couple of their top players with the Benzman sisters are good enough to carry this team to, uh, you know, close to maybe 20 wins in that region. Next up, Forest Park. They got bit by the transfer bug and the graduation bug. They got blown out by Maris in the first round of state last year. They were 19-8. and eight. Yasmin Allen transferred late in the um, offseason to Archer. So your returning leading scorer is Michaela Dunstan, an improved athletic spark plug guard that's about 5'5", five five, averaged 7 points per game. I think she's going to obviously – Obviously, be super, super key for Forest Park. And if Forest Park still has this roster intact, they have size. Uh, Julia Robinson is big down low. Nakora Patrick can play on the wing a little bit. Um, 
But a problem last year was just, you know, all that size that just were kind of challenged defensively if closing out on quick guards. Uh, but if they can get you in the half court and pound you down low and use that size, Forest Park can still be a problem. But um, they lose Jada Brown and, of course, Yasmin Allen, who I mentioned. So where is that perimeter scoring going to come from? Forest Park has some holes they need to fill, but I still think um, you go into a game at Forest Park, you better strap up because I still do have some talent, especially in the front court. And lastly, a team that I feel like they might be a year away, but I do like what they're building. I do like their, their 2025 and 2026 nucleus. And that's Woodstock. Tiffany Leak comes over from Paulding County. Woodstock was 14 and 15 last year. Of course, they had a bunch of girls suspended at the beginning of the season. They graduate two Division One players. Um, so it's going to be. Uh, I feel like they'll have more cohesion this year. I mean, it was so much adversity and rocky road stuff at the beginning of last season where they kind of didn't reach their their full potential, even though they still uh, made it to the Sweet 16. But you know, there, there's new leaders now. Emily Jacobs, Lily Conkle, uh, Bree Rogers, Morgan Slater has uh, really picked up this offseason. Uh, that four right there, that's a good little nucleus. They, they share the ball. They can shoot. They're quick. Uh, they can apply pressure in the full court. I think Woodstock has a lot going for them. Cameron, Cameron uh, Schlichting is a good uh, wing-type player that can shoot the three. So, you know, that's that's – Five players right there that I feel like they're they're good players. But for Woodstock to crack into the top ten this year and in the future, one of those good players needs to take a step to be a great player. Who is going to take that next step and emerge as the go-to player, the person that any time out on the floor, they know they can turn to this girl to really be their their leader. I think Emily Jacobs might be able to do that. She does a lot well on the floor, and she plays with a lot of energy. Um, but it's all about taking that next step. And again, these are all juniors and sophomores. So there's nothing but uh, exciting times ahead for the Wolverines. So keep an eye on Woodstock. Maybe not this year, but still, they're going to be a plucky team that can get after you uh, this season and will be a difficult out. Moving on to Class 5A. Class 5A should be a fairly wide open uh, state playoff bracket once we get there. Um, but the two teams that I do feel like have the inside track is obviously going to be Maynard Jackson and Union Grove. Maynard Jackson opens number one. They finished 26-2 and last year, fell in the final four to Kell, 56-37. And then Union Grove, 23-8 and last season, played a really tough non-region schedule. They lost at Maynard Jackson in the Elite Eight, 54-47. Both of these teams have pretty much their entire rosters back. Uh, especially Maynard Jackson. They got everybody they need and more back in the fold. Um, Talia Cornish, Talia Cornish, pardon me. Talia Cornish is a very, very good guard that averaged over 20 points per game. She can shoot the three exceptionally well, uh, hit 71 threes at a 40% clip. Caden Cornish, her younger sister, I think she's going to really uh, take a step forward after hitting 58 threes at a 44% rate. She averaged close to 11 points per game. So you have the Cornish sisters in the backcourt. That's a great uh, <laughs> building block to start with right there, but you have a lot more as well. Uh, Shakira Gresham is just an athletic, energizing uh, swingman, uh, 14 points over eight rebounds per game. 
Um, but a player I'm looking at, British McKinney, um, you know, about 5.6 rebounds, a five foot ten senior, but I like how she plays inside. Really good post presence, has nice footwork, can score inside, gets after it on the glass. And then a new X Factor, six foot two freshman Janiah Weaver has a lot of upside. She could be the missing piece that really gives uh, Maynard Jackson that length. Even though she's more of a wing, she is six foot two. She gives Maynard Jackson that big time, big time, big time height to help them out. And then you look at Union Grove, again, just a senior laden group. Jordan Brooks, really good playmaking point guard. Uh, Nadia Smith uh, does a great job rebounding, bouncy inside along with Maria Miller. And then you got some help with Julia Baker as well. Uh, keep an eye on Jersana Moore. I saw her at the Prep Girls Hoops camp. Uh, she did not play a lot, if any, when I watched Union Grove play last year. But my goodness, she looked very good. Little lefty shoots the three exceptionally well, creates off the dribble. Uh, if she can bottle up what I saw, um, what was it, earlier this month, uh, Union Grove might have just found themselves a third scoring option. Really tiny, but just electric with how she can put the ball in the basket. So I'll be interested to see how Doc Gamage uh, utilizes Jersana Moore this upcoming season because she looked very, very good. Um, now we'll move on to the teams that just missed in Class 5A. And there are a lot of them because, like I said, I feel like this is a fairly open classification. We're going to see a lot of moving and shaking. There's a lot of good regions um, that have a lot of teams that are ranked. You look at um, Region 1 has two teams in there. could potentially be even more than that. We thought they were the best last year, uh, but they kind of faltered in the first round. Region 2 is really tough. Region 5 has emerged with mid uh, Midtown being a, a team that can make a deep run. Jackson... Uh, we already talked about. And then uh, Region 7, really tough. Calhoun, Cartersville, Dalton, Hiram. Really good basketball being played. But the teams that just missed, we'll highlight. Harris County, 19-10, and 10, coming out of Region 3. Supposed to have their top eight players back. Uh, it's a veteran group now. Brooke Bass is a senior, averaged over 18 points per game. And then I believe uh, Janiah Broom, I think she's a junior if I'm not mistaken, uh, averaged close to 16 points per game. So you have two guards that can put the ball in the basket. That's a well-coached team over there as well. So Harris County, keep an eye on them coming out of Region 3, which uh, you see Northside Columbus, they lose their top three players. They're going to take a step back, presumably, uh, McIntosh still has Kendall Davis. Drew just hasn't really been able to compete at a high level. Same with Northgate as of right now. So Harris County, they look like the favorite to win Region 3. Next up, Jones County, 20-10. They made it to the Sweet 16 last year when they upset Ware County, the number one seed out of Region 1 on the road. Jones County, they lose their top scores, scores number one, three, and four, but Amaris Ridgeway is back a very good guard, uh, long guard, very, very active, um, and they played Ware County, who has a ton back uh, from last year's team. They played them. I know GBCA doesn't mean everything, um, but they smacked down Ware County pretty good, and Amaris Ridgeway just stuffed the stat sheet over 20 points and just did a little bit of everything. So don't be surprised if the Greyhounds uh, scratch their way back into the top 10 at some point this season. Next up, we have Centennial out of Region 6. They were 15-11. and 11. 
But if they have their nucleus back and if they can stay healthy for once, Centennial, if they can go with this four-guard rotation, they're going to be really good. Tori Ambroselli, the sophomore, average over 16 points per game. Jasmine Perez, a senior now, I believe up to 15 points per game. You had Diamond Leslie, 12 points and five rebounds. And then if Samantha Ambroselli is healthy, if she is still playing basketball, I know she's had two season-ending injuries, I believe both with her knees. If they can get anything from her, if she is still coming back and playing, that is still a good basketball player. She's just been wrecked by injuries. But if she is coming back to Centennial and gives um, that night team a fourth option, that's a lot of veterans with the sophomore Amber Tory. that is as an electric playmaker and scorer, there's no reason why Centennial should not compete for a region title. Kell is way, 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 way down with all that graduation. You see GAC floating at 14 and 14, um, and they, they have some pieces back. So don't be surprised if Centennial is in a dogfight for that region six title, uh, potentially competing with GAC. But I like this nucleus that Centennial has back if all those players are back, especially if Sammy Ambroselli is healthy and able to give it a go. Next up, Hiram, 22-6 and six out of that tough Region 7. Hadea Kennerly, she is having a breakout season. I foresee it coming. She was good last year, averaged over 12 points per game. She was fantastic at the Sandy Spiel Fall League, playing some of the best teams in the entire state. River Ridge, New Manchester was in there, Carrollton, um, Pope, Woodson. You, you list it, you name it, a lot of the best teams in that Metro Atlanta area, North Metro Atlanta area, and even to the west, we're playing in the Sandy Spill Fall League, and Hedaya Kennerly was very, very, very good. So I feel like her, with Taylor Crawford as that number two option, um, they're going to be tough. They might not be what they were in the past. They don't necessarily have quite as much depth and those legit point guards that can set you up, um, but... Kennerly and Crawford, that's a really nice one-two punch that's going to win a lot of games at Hiram. And then lastly, Region 8. Whoever wins Region 8, and freshmen will play a very big role in Region 8 this year. Of course, last year, Jefferson beat Loganville at the buzzer with that three-pointer um, from Emory Billings. Jefferson was just 10-18 and 18 last year. Loganville, 18-11. and 11. You look at Loganville, of course, Amaya Lewis is still in the mix. The big post presence, uh, she has help now with the freshman twins, Nicole and Natalie Turner. If they can give Coach Zorn a shot in the arm with some athleticism and just some scoring in multiple dimensions, that's going to help out a lot around Amaya Lewis. And then, of course, Jefferson, Michael Robbins. She has a chance to be one of, if not the best player, possibly in school history. Um, elite athleticism, so quick to the ball. Uh, doesn't take any plays off, grab steals, just going to be an absolute nuisance in the press, a girl that's going to flirt with triple doubles throughout her career, continuing to add on to her outside jump shot, get more consistent. You add her into a very good nucleus that is starting to come of age with Skylar Brady, Emery Billings, who we mentioned, Eve Knight inside, Delaney DeWitt. Um, there's just a lot of good options um, over there for Coach Greg Brown to choose from. Um, so Loganville or Jefferson both should be favorites to win Region 8. And again, freshmen will play a big role in who wins that region. 
And if a team can emerge out of those two, we might see either Loganville or Jefferson in the top 10 this season. Now on to Class 4A. 4A. A dark horse to win the title in 4A. Well, let's talk about who's in the top of the list right now. As far as front runners, Baldwin opens up number one. Holy Innocence opens up number two. Hardaway number three. And then we find our dark horse, if you want to call it that, Stockbridge. All their rotational players are back. They have a new head coach in Demarcus Acree from Banneker. Uh, again, uh, a lot of transfers have followed him into Stockbridge. And the key thing here is Stockbridge was a, a solid team last year. So Stockbridge, um, what, I believe they won 21 games, if I'm not mistaken. They went 21-9 and nine last year. Uh, lost in the Sweet 16 at Chesapeake. But what Stockbridge did not have in, in their loss to uh, Chesapeake were, of course, Riley Black had a, a very good game. They did not have rim protectors with elite size. They have that now. Last year, you're talking about a team that had maybe 5'10", 5'11", their tallest player. Well, Stockbridge added 6'2", India McIntosh, 6'1", uh, Jalea McDonald, both of those girls from Lovejoy. And then, of course, they added 6'1", Jaslyn Ware from Creekside Christian. So you add three elite post-size uh, players that can defend the rim, that can rebound, that if you try and drive in, they could stand there and wall up and alter shots. You add three bigs right there to go along with your dynamic guard play between Janiah Jones and, of course, Carrington Wilson, who's committed to Prairie View A&M. All the pieces are there for Stockbridge. Jayla Falks, a very good shifty little guard, looked good at that Prep Hoops event. Um, Kylie Ingram is a, a solid four that was one of their bigger players last year uh, that did the dirty work. Just a lot of options for Coach Cree to turn to. And that's why I feel like, and and also, mind you, uh, Zanai Gay uh, transferred in from Drew to add another ball hander to the backcourt. But for that reason, I feel like Stockbridge, you have everyone else back from last year, essentially. But now you have your missing pieces of three uh, triple towers to protect the paint. And that's why I feel like Stockbridge, if you play a team that has, you know, a team that wants to really drive and control the paint and get to the basket, if you can wall up and make those shots difficult, make them pull up from 12 feet instead of getting all the way to six feet, um, it's going to change things a lot. So I think Stockbridge, uh, on paper, that roster looks really good to be a team that could be a tough out. Um, because what we saw last year was Griffin. How did Griffin win? They were so much bigger than everyone. They were so athletic, and then they hit some timely shots uh, in the postseason. And that moves me on to my next question as to what will our perennial powers that have been perennial powers recently, what will they look like this year? Because they're both out of the top 10 preseason. Griffin, what will Griffin, the defending champs, look like? They graduate their top four players. They're going to be much, much smaller. Zamiya Hosley, Casey Smikes, Kamaya Starks, they come back with the most experience, but they don't have, you know, six foot two Zamiya Puckett. They don't have uh, Aaliyah Duranham uh, jumping out of the gym. They don't have uh, Zai Toms. They just, they graduate a lot. Leah Turner, who just had a phenomenal. Uh, state championship game knocking down shots they don't have that 
So it's going to be a completely different looking team for Griffin. So they're really going to have to prove it. All these role players that came off the bench and saw sparing moments last year, uh, even though I believe they have two starters back that played in the state championship game. I think that's Hosley and uh, Smikes, if I'm not mistaken. What can they do to help Griffin get back to where they were? Um, I think they'll still be a, a, a tough team. Um, but top 10, they need to prove it first, and they might be able to do that. But I'm very curious to see what they do. And same with Luella. Luella um, it felt like they were always contending for state titles, but uh, on paper, the window, it looks like it might be shutting just a little bit. They graduate their top score, their second leading score, and their fourth leading score, um, multiple of those being Division I players. You turn to Milani Smith, looks like the team's returning leading score at 10.5 points per game. Uh, uh, Zion Justice is a big body inside that can control the paint, has some developing post moves, and then Angel Thomas looks like she has a very good future. So Luella, can they continue to play at that very high, high level? Again, they have pieces that are going to be asked to do a lot more than what they've done in the past. I know Milani Smith is used to scoring the ball a lot, so that shouldn't be too hard for her, but filling out the rest of that roster, not having an Ari Dyson inside to throw the ball to, a dynamic post presence like that, even though Justice is good. They're very much different players. Uh, what does Luella look like? I'm very curious to see what they and also Griffin look like, two very good programs that are in a bit of a transition season. As far as teams that just missed in Class 4A, uh, you really have to look at Region 8, which was just a dogfight all season last year. We saw some good teams get left out in the cold. Uh, mainly being Walnut Grove last year, but they opened up in the top 10. But a team that I think could get there, North Oconee, 18-8 and eight a season ago. They graduated one senior that played significant minutes. They have pretty much everyone else back. Ayana Peavy, um, it's her senior season now. She's long been regarded as a really shifty good guard that can score uh, real quick with the ball. You have a, a potential breakout player, and Laura Francis Lowly Willis, really good player. I think she could emerge as a go-to option this year on the perimeter for North Oconee. Uh, you got the Oklahoma softball commit. Kendall Wells is a big, strong, physical post presence. Only about maybe five foot nine, um, but plays so much bigger than her size and can really move bodies and score with her back to the basket. So that's a really strong core right there um, to rely upon. Also, Reese Riddle has played a lot of minutes as well throughout the seasons. Um, so there's there's a lot to go go with for the Titans. Eric Willis has a very veteran squad now. Uh, they could be a, somewhat of a dark horse to come up and win that region. And another real dark horse, I guess you could say, is Cherokee Bluff. They were 15-10 and 10 a season ago. Cass, um, Cassie Scott takes over as head coach. Um, they have the reigning freshman of the year in Class 4A and Claire Carlson. Um, they have really good players, seniors. Emma Reynolds, I liked what I saw from her in the offseason, a really nice off-ball guard that can score. Caitlin Cook is a Georgia Southern commit for soccer. Carson DeMars, a soccer commit to Wofford. A lot of soccer players on this team. Uh, very soccer heavy, so they're pretty quick. But most importantly, their superstar soccer player and incoming freshman, Bristol Kirsch. Bristol Kirsch has a chance to really turn this region upside down with her play, making just elite laterally, um, baseline to baseline, sideline to sideline. 
Super good passer, really quick, gets to the basket, can shoot a little bit as well. Just a crafty finisher, does so much well. She's probably, if not the best athlete in the region already, uh, very close to the tippy-tippy top. So you add her as that potential lead guard, combo guard option to get to the basket, driving kick opportunities for Claire Carlson. Um, And then you have some of your other players just fill in roles when needed. Uh, this Cherokee Bluff team, they they have pieces to compete. And again, it's going to be really tough to get into the state playoffs out of this region, considering you have East Forsyth in the mix still. Um, North Hall is in a little bit of a rebuild mode, but they still have some talent there on the roster. Um, but Cherokee Bluff, I would not sleep on them, especially if Bristol Kirsch is able to make an impact like Claire Carlson did. You could see the Bears having another Class 4A Freshman of the Year. Down in Class 3A, what I want to know is, is Monroe ready to compete with Carver-Columbus in Region 1? Monroe was 21-8 and last year. Carver-Columbus, of course, a very good season, 20-10, and lost in the Elite 8 at uh, Wesleyan in a very close game, high-scoring competitive game. Um, what will they do? I don't know. Can Monroe compete? Why would why would we think Monroe can compete with Carver, uh, Columbus? Well, I don't know if they can just yet, but that freshman class that the Golden Tornadoes have coming in is one of the best in the entire state. With Keandria Acree ready to play for her mother, she is a blue chip freshman, six foot guard, holds all the SEC offers, ACC offers, offers from everywhere. A star player, does everything. Uh, electric athlete, great in transition, gets downhill, finishes with both hands, has the opportunity to become an elite drive and kick playmaker. Um, really good at scoring on the low blocks. You can identify a mismatch, can go on the block. Uh, knows how to play the angles in the post, takes her time, scores over her shoulders, squares her shoulders very, very well. She can do everything on the floor. And who is she going to be driving and kicking to if that's the case? Taylor McKenzie is a five foot nine or so um, guard that is going to make some waves as a catch-and-shoot shooter, but also very athletic, does a lot of good stuff off the bounce, um, can get after it defensively. So those two guards right there, they're big, they're athletic, they can score from multiple levels. They add them into the mix with five foot ten senior Sarah Lunsford, who averaged close to 18 points and nine rebounds per game. Um, Monroe's going to look a little bit different this year because I know they love to punch the ball inside, and they're still going to be able to do that because I believe a Cree could go in the paint and post up herself. Um, but that is a strong three player core right there uh, especially when you have really good guard play you're going to need it because Carver Columbus likes to press now can they compete with Carver Columbus well Carver graduates or at least loses their top six players from last year's team they haven't had a crazy influx of transfers this year like they tried to pull off last year bringing in about five or six girls um, but Cameron Thomas is now going to be eligible after transferring in from Shaw, where she averaged 13 points per game, had to sit out last season. She's going to be a major shot in the arm. Uh, She's going to join a really small backcourt in Aubrey Wilkins, uh, who committed to Southern, and then Chubb Williams, um, 5'4 guard as well. Um, But they do have 
some transfers in the form of Jasmine Thornton is a big piece that moves into Carver Columbus this year. Um, she's going to be replacing Renaya Curry, who left for Butler, who we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, but her addition is going to be a big one. Jasmine Thornton, um, you know, she started her career at Callaway, um, was a very highly sought after prospect, about six foot tall, I believe, left handed, played on the wing. Uh, D1 schools definitely knew about her, had to leave Callaway, uh, went to LaGrange Academy, dominated at that lower level, averaged over 26 points and seven rebounds, won a state title. Um, she's going to be a key factor for Carver. So if Jasmine Thornton uh, is as good as advertised, you add her into the mix uh, with Carver Columbus, and they still have some size inside, tiny guards, uh, Cameron Thomas, Available. It's going to be tough for Monroe to compete. I don't know if they're going to be able to knock off Carver quite yet this year. Uh, looking at what happened last year, Carver won 66-38, 89-48, 97-58. So it wasn't even close. Uh, but I think that gap is going to start shrinking uh, the more and more reps uh, that Keandria Cree and Taylor McKenzie get. Um but I still think it's probably Carver, Carver Columbus. It's it's their region to lose this year, and I still think um, that the Tigers are in shape to win another region title. Now, teams to watch outside of the top ten. I wouldn't say these teams just missed. I wouldn't classify it as that. But these are teams that I feel like are good teams that are going to win some games this year, and at some point they might be able to sneak into the poll. But um. Right now, I wouldn't necessarily classify them as teams that just missed. Peach County, they were 20-9 last season out of Region 2. They lose their Region Player of the Year, but their second and third leading scores are back. Calvary Day, 24-7. Hannah Kale is gone now at Georgia College, but 2-9 through nine are back, and Destiny Godine is a good young player entering her junior season, I believe. A quick athletic guard. Uh, I don't think Calvary Day is going to be as good as what they were with Hannah Kale in the mix because when Calvary Day was always winning those games, they had two big-time guards. It was Hannah Kale and Michaela Primo. Then it was Hannah Kale and Destiny Godine. Who is going to be that option next to uh, Destiny Godine this year? I'm not sure. I think Calvary Day will do just fine in that Region 3 and win a good chunk of games, but I don't know if they have that, that ceiling uh, to make a deep run like they did last year. Morgan County, 20-8 coming out of Region 4. Cross Creek, uh, they lose some players to transfer, graduate a couple players. Um, so Morgan County, maybe that, that gap is shrinking and they can compete across Creek a little bit more now. Um, they lose just their second leading score from a 20-8 team. Jaden Young is getting better and better on the perimeter, and she has some help around her as well. And then lastly... I'm looking at Lakeview Fort Oglethorpe out of Region 6. They were 26-2. and um, Injuries kind of besmirched some. At the end of the year last year, Christina Collins got hurt again. Uh, second time, at least a second time. She saw her season um, end with a, an, a knee injury. Uh, but Christian and Crystal Collins are back in the fold. Those sisters are quick. They're good. They're undersized, but they can make that team go. They like to play fast. And Coach Dwayne Watkins will get them in line. Maybe not, again, as high of a ceiling because Angel Simmons also has graduated. But still, Lakeview Fort Oglethorpe, they still should be the team to beat 
in Region 6. So those are my teams to keep an eye on outside of the top 10. Not sure if they'll crack into the top 10, but anything's possible. And they're teams that will have good seasons this year in Class 3A. Moving on down to Class 2A. I think Class 2A might be a little bit more interesting than a season ago, even though uh, it was a fun classification, but very quickly we saw Mount Perrin was going to run away with it. And Mount Perrin, they have everyone back again this year, so they are a heavy, 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 heavy favorite to win another state title. Um, but if there is a team that can knock them off, I know Banks County will be in the mix, as will Central Macon. Um, but I'm very curious to see how Region 4 shakes out, that Augusta Region has a lot of talent. Um, Thompson is the defending champs in that region. Thompson opens up the season number four in the state. Jada Kendrick has an Oakland offer, a powerful five foot ten wing, numbers eighteen points, close to nine rebounds per game. Does a lot of good work. Played very well against Mount Perrin last year, twenty points and nine rebounds uh, when they were eliminated by the Eagles. Last season, 54-43, which is a very, very respectable, reasonable score. That was about as close as anybody had played Mount Perrin in the state tournament last season. Um, but Thompson, they of course, they have Kendrick back. They have a couple other good players as well surrounding her. But it's all going to start and stop with Jada Kendrick as the lead um, Kalisha Lattimore is another good player, average over 13 points per game. That'll play a key role. Um, but then what else do we have in Region 4? We have number 5 in the state, Josie. They slot in right behind Thompson. Now, health is an issue. Kiesia Henderson was averaging uh, a very prolific 13 points and 7 assists per game 12 games into the season, but she got hurt now I would assume that the point guards should be back healthy if she's still over there at Josie. You add her into the mix with Josie, uh, a roster that already has a really good guard that I think is going to become a a, a college prospect and a, a sophomore named Carrie Fluellen, very creative with the ball, stepped up big time um, when Henderson went down. You see uh, Shania Sanders, athletic, long, um, that's usually the prevailing theme with Josie. They always have long athletes inside. Zamaya Jenkins should really play a big role this year. She was great at the GBCA, just a, a jumping jack inside, cleaning the glass, blocking shots. She is going to play a very big role for this Josie team. Uh, and next up, Butler. Butler is a team that I'm very curious about. They open up number six in the poll. So we just covered four, five, and six, all coming from that same region, region four. Butler, who knows? Butler, they were, what, 20 and 10 a season ago. They made it to the Elite Eight where Landmark Christian eliminated them. They graduate their leading score but have everybody else back. Paris Floyd is back. Uh have a couple other uh, solid guards in the mix on the smaller side. Logan Davis played a significant role, filled up the stat sheet. But where they really take a leap is their three transfers, three potentially game-changing transfers. First off, you have five foot seven junior Brayla Harris, averaged over fourteen points per game at Cross Creek. So you know she can get the job done, and she can get the job done. Uh, playing at a high level of basketball. 
You see Renaya Curry, who's bounced around, started over in the Augusta area, then went to Carver Columbus, uh, and now she's back over here at Butler in familiar territory. But she's a five foot eleven wing, super athletic, moves very well. You could play her all around the floor in pretty much every single position. She hasn't really taken off. She had some Division One offers as a youngster, but hasn't really cemented herself and establish herself as a go-to player, but that could change quickly. I think she has a ton of talent, a ton of potential. If she pieces it all together, uh, the Bulldogs are going to be in very, very good shape. And then lastly, five foot ten, Karen Nimmo, uh, her first time, first crack at the GHSA, I believe. I believe she was at Johnson Augusta before this, um, but she's always played very well in a travel ball circuit, She's athletic. She can do a lot of different things and score from multiple levels. Defensive game changer. Those are three big time pieces that you add into the mix for a team that has a good chunk back. Um, I think Butler could really emerge if everyone gels together and all those girls uh, can do what they're capable of doing. Uh, I don't think it's insane to think that Butler could rise up and win that region. So that's going to be really, really fun to track. Region 4 was great last year. It's going to be even better this year. So keep an eye on that. Teams that just missed in Class 2A, however, Fannin County, 20-9. They come out of Region 7. Uh, they graduate their second third, and fourth leading scores, but the two-time region player of the year, multi-time all-state selection, and young Harris commit, Courtney Davis is back after averaging 20 points per game, um, known for her great three-point shooting, especially over top of those screens and her craftiness getting to the basket, but she's a really good passer, great touch passes into the post, delivers lobs on the money to her post presences, and who are those going to be? Sophomore Reese Lewis could quickly emerge as a second scoring option for them. Had a really good fall league, uh, scores well with her back to the basket. And then Macy Hawkins, the same, a senior. Both of those girls love to utilize their hook shot, especially Macy Hawkins. And then Reese Lewis, a lefty, is very talented inside and can score uh, around the rim with a soft touch. And then next up, Callaway. Callaway comes out of Region 5. They were 17-8 and eight last year. Their top two players are back, and they're anchored by Lacey Thomas, about 6'1", 6'2", blocks a lot of shots, grabs a lot of rebounds, and scores in the paint. So there are two teams that just missed out on cracking the top 10 to open the season in Class 2A. Up next, we move on down to Class A, Division One. Will St. Francis repeat as state champs? They had a tiny roster last year, a lot of injuries. They graduated only three seniors. They had the Class A Division One Player of the Year back in Samaya Wyatt. So that's an issue for all opposition. Uh, she's going to be very tough inside. Um, they have those tiny guards on the perimeter. I believe they're still in the mix. Of course, Cameron Golston's still there. Nia Young, Desi Taylor, if they're still at full strength and they're still all in the fold, those are good, sharp guards that, you know, they at, at least in the state championship, there were a lot of turnovers, but they still made the plays that needed to be made to win the state title. And I still think those are very good, quick, shifty guards, really crafty passers as well. So they're very tough, and they can hit outside shots. 
Um, Amelia Bassett, back healthy, a six foot one junior. I think she's going to quickly get onto college radars if she's not there already. A good post presence. But the freshmen in Gianni Rogers and Aaliyah Courtenay at six foot three, those two can really help out a lot, especially Rogers. She's already built like a college guard, strong, physical, beautiful outside shot, can play on and off the ball. And then Courtenay inside is just just can't teach that size and that mobility and ability to do uh, certain things on the floor that most players, her size, her age, cannot do. So St. Francis, they're, they're reloaded. They're not quite as tall as last year's team or quite maybe as dynamic with that size, but they're still big, talented, and I think they're going to be a favorite to win the state title. They opened up number one. Galloway's number two right behind them. Galloway, they graduated a lot. They still have the Thompson sisters in the mix, but they graduate Allison Hoffman at Oglethorpe, Kyla Kane at North Florida, Kalen Fields at Kennesaw State. It's a lot of firepower to graduate, um, whereas St. Francis has pretty much their entire roster back. So I think that gap, at least on paper, widens a bit this year. Uh, not to say that Galloway can't beat St. Francis. I think they can. Um, but I think on paper, if St. Francis can do what they're supposed to do, they'll be in good shape. But I will say St. Francis that GBCA and over the um, the spring, they did, you know, they, they lost a couple games. I know that doesn't mean a whole lot, but um, they did lose some games. Um, but I still think they are the team to beat in Class A Division One. Now, teams that just missed... Dublin 16 and 11. They have their top six players set to return to Hallie Turner. Turnley um, is back a, a big physical post presence that grabs rebounds exceptionally well. Over 10 points, nine rebounds, three blocks per game. She's a good one out of region two. And then Tryon 17 and 7. Top score, third score, and fourth score all back including Region Player of the Year, Isaiah McCutcheons. I believe she had a minor knee injury, meniscus maybe, but she should be ready to rock and roll this season. A really good guard. Um, They could squeak into the top 10, the bottom of the pole at some point this season with Isaiah McCutcheons. Um, But those two teams, Dublin and Tryon, two teams that I had my eye on for the top 10, not quite there just yet. Um, And you could even probably throw in Pelham as well, a team that went 18-6 last year out of Region 1. Soraya Chester back after averaging 16 points per game and Truth Wimberly over 9 points per game. But they graduate 2-4-5. and Uh, So throw Pelham into the mix for a South Georgia team. Those are my three teams that just missed the top 10 in Class A Division 1. Lastly, we finish up with Class A Division 2. It looks like a pretty open field. It looks like a pretty open field. Taylor County opens up as number one in the state. A really good program uh, that had a good season last year. 27-2, and lost in the Final Four to Clinch County. Uh, but Taylor County, supposed to have players two through four back as far as the leading scorers go. Jada Ford, I'll keep an eye on her. The sophomore averaged 11 points and eight rebounds. Was a Region 6 co-freshman of the year last year. Um, they have some quick playmaker. Trista Bennett, co-region player of the year defensively. 
Average over 11 points per game and four assists per game. Um, so they open up number one. Clinch graduated a ton, uh, but they have size back in Tiana Dorsey and athleticism in Amaria Dean, uh, who is also pretty big as well as far as uh, height goes. She's about five foot ten. Dorsey's about six foot. Dorsey dominated in the state title game against LOA, 19 points, 20 rebounds. Um, they graduate all their guards, though, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what is going to be able to happen with that backcourt sophomore Destiny Talbert and senior Asia Hood were Region 2 second team selections. So they're going to have to play a huge role in helping bring the ball up the court and get this clinch offense moving. Um, a question that I have I'm very interested to see is, is Lake Oconee Academy still a threat to win a state title? Uh, they graduate pretty much everyone from last year's team. They have two seniors back, the two, uh, you know, yeah, I think three total seniors with the two lone holdovers that actually played a lot. Georgia Bosart and Jane Moncello. Uh, Bosart, of course, an all-state pick, average over 13 points, nine rebounds, five assists, close to two steals per game. Uh, Moncello, just under five points and three rebounds per game. But they lose a lot of their three-point shooting, lose Jada Williams with their athleticism. Um, there's just uh, Kenzie Stevens with that toughness and athleticism as well. They just graduate a lot, so I don't know. Um, that was such a well-balanced team last year. Are they going to be able to compete at that high level again? Uh, they're currently outside of the top 10 to open the year. I'll be very interested to see how they they fare in Region 8. I mean, Towns County opens up as number 6 in the state, and they have a good chunk back between Breland Steve King and uh, Kaylee Beaver. That's a good outside-inside duo between those two. So I don't know. It, it, it It's something that I'm keeping my eye on to see. Is Lake Oconee Academy going to still be able to compete and win a lot of games, or is it just you know two seniors back, just not enough uh, as far as dynamic guard play goes? Something that I will be keeping my eye on closely because I do know Georgia Bosart's a very good golfer. I would assume she still wants to suit up and play basketball her final season. Um but yes, a lot remains to be seen over there on the lake. Just missed teams in the top 10. Region 1, Terrell County, 12 and 14. Their top four players are back. Senior Tedrangia Rogers, uh, 16 points per game last year. She is back and a very good player, um, an all-state type caliber player so Terrell County a threat to uh crack into the top 10 at some point possibly and then another region one team Seminole County 15 and 12 they also return their top four players their senior uh Tenaria Williams leads the team for Seminole County and then a team over there in region eight I'm looking at Warren County 15 and 10 young last year but their top two players are back led by sophomore Jaylee Allen Average close to 13 points per game. And then one team I've heard whispers about, you literally never, ever know who is going to be eligible, who is going to be on the roster, what this team is going to look like, and that is Green Forest. I've heard 
rumor is that they've added um, a, a, a multiple, uh, I don't know if it's the right uh, country or not, but multiple like Serbian players to the roster that may be potentially eligible to play this year at Green Force. Really have no clue uh, what Green Forest will have on the roster, and it changes from time to time. I know they they played like an uh, an eligible player last year. Something happened; they had to forfeit their region championship victory, and this that, and the other. With all that being said, um, you know Mountain Zion Carrollton they're in full rebuild mode in Region Seven now, um, and then like Christian Heritage is okay in that sub region A, so that could be a team to contend with. But that's a very winnable uh, region, so. Uh, and and on the court at least Green Force won it last year at ten and thirteen. So if Green Force, if they have any of those girls back from last year, and if any of these girls that have been rumored to um, move in from uh, from Europe or whatever, if they're if they're eligible, I mean Green Force could very well uh, rise quickly up the ranks and be a very tough team. But there's just too many question marks surrounding that program uh, to put them in the top ten because I think I, I put them in there last year and I got kind of burnt as far as not even having enough players to play games at some points. But Green Force is always a great mystery. Um, they could be very, very good, or they could be very um, not up to snuff. And this year, they're a complete mystery bag. But don't be surprised if Green Force, if they have that talent on the roster, uh, they could be a team that becomes a quick threat in Class A Division Two. So that wraps it up. The GHSA 2023-2024 Girls State Preview for the upcoming season. I appreciate you following along. It's going to be another fun season on sandyspiel.com. Make sure you subscribe so you can view all of the content behind our paywall. Have four events coming up this season. November 18th. Sandy Spiel Tip-Off Classic at Chesty. That will be boys and girls teams. We have the Sandy Spiel Northwest Georgia Invitational, a first-year event at Darlington School up in Rome on December 12th. Then we come back December 9th at Grace in the Sandy Spiel Showcase. I would tend to believe this is probably the best one-day girls event in the state of Georgia this year with pretty much everyone on that uh, schedule ranked in the top 10 to open up the season and then we finish up 12 16 at monroe area the sandy spiel shootout an all boys event so with that being said stay tuned for a boys preview podcast coming up in the next few days thank you and talk to you soon